Janelle King is a rising star in the world of conservative politics. So why the heck are we talking to her on a marketing show? Let's just say she has some opinions on how politicians on both sides can better market themselves to voters that will actually help them win. All that and more today on the Marketing Mad Men podcast. They say marketing is a madman's game. So now we turn it over to the Marketing Mad Men with Nick Constantino and Trip Job. Happy Saturday. Welcome to the Marketing Mad Men. Trip Job and Nick Constantino here with you again. And uh, we're going to have some fun today. You know, we uh, a while back, y- you kind of led uh, the talk on politics, and I didn't get as much uh, chance to jump in, which uh, was probably a good thing. But uh, I'm excited today to uh, maybe get to share some of my views and uh, see, you know, I think I've had the longest reign of seeing how politics are marketed uh, than anyone in this room. I might have voted in more elections than the two of you combined. Yeah, well, that, that's, that, that, that's fair. That's fair. But you know what? At the pace of change, yeah. what you did in the, the 80s probably doesn't matter, let's be honest, in how fast things have changed. And I think that's what we're going to talk a lot about today. Exactly. Um, so to set it up, uh, we have Miss Janelle King here. Um, and Janelle, we're going to make this announcement now because the timing is just, I guess, right. Um, Janelle has her podcast let's talk about it but that is going to also move to the slot after ours on the radio show so the timing is absolutely perfect we're very excited to have you um and and you know we're going to talk about a whole bunch of different things but we're really going to start with what you've learned um through both yourself and and kelvin and and his run um let's go right into it let's save the introductions for the end as it'll segue nicely to the show and let's let's go into it you saw a political campaign run before your very eyes you saw the back end of it the front end of it you were an outsider looking in but you were also an insider looking out yeah what did you learn? You know what? I learned a lot. But I have to mm-hmm. say that, you know, making the decision to run for office is a process within itself. And it starts mm-hmm. before you even bring on a consultant, right? So when we were at home and we were talking about this, the first thing we did, when we, we whiteboarded, you know, what was is it going to take to defeat Raphael Warnock? And right. we knew this was going to be a unique race. So that's what we did. And when we whiteboarded it, we didn't have a person in mind. Wow. And so we just wanted to make sure we had everything there. And as I was going through it, we were like, oh, my God, we're going to need these things. And I looked at Kelvin and I'm like, um, I think this is you. Like, this describes you. And so he's like, oh, man, you know, like, <laughs> so like, like, I guess strat- I'm you, up. <laughs> you know, they ultimately talk a lot about it. You developed a strategy and yes. then you figured out the tactics and Kelvin was Absolutely. one of the tactics. Absolutely. And whiteboarding is such yeah. a marketing term. I mean, that's, yeah. you, you yeah. know, you know, it's called the marketing <laughs> madman. But in madman, yeah. how many times do they start with a whiteboard right. and a storyboard and then you develop it out? So, yeah. you know, I have to imagine as you think about that that mm-hmm. marketing message may not be clear to begin but as you develop and think more who the person is that 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 Kelvin is going after and yeah. and how you guys were reaching that marketing message becomes more and more apparent and and and, and pops out as you go yes absolutely to your point you know we, we're business people so you know yeah. Kelvin's 100% business yeah. he did not have the political background like I had so in his mind everything has to be business focused I mean even when we ran the campaign I mean we were able to manage our budget down to a T you know because yeah. we we're very, very business focused. You have to have a good marketing plan. I think that's part of the thing. One of the mm-hmm. things we learned while on the trail mm-hmm. is that particularly when it comes to politics and we were in the primary because, you know, we, yeah. we, we calculated Herschel Walker coming in. and We had right. a strategy for that, too. And we figured that he would kind of come in and we knew he would suck up all the energy, suck up the donors because of his name recognition. So we were like, what do you do? Do you get out? Do you stay in? If you stay in, what's your strategy? Right. So that's what we did. Right. And we were like, the strategy is to continue to stay in the game, continue to move things forward, because at the end of the day, we all got to kind of kind of you know push this across the finish line but the number one thing we learned is that when it comes to marketing in general when it comes in politics is that we don't know our audience 
we think we do. So right. in the primary, marketing to Republicans is one thing. Marketing to the GOP is something totally yeah, different. I, I, I love that. You know? I love that. So, I love that statement. Yeah. And, and, and one of the reasons, and we talked about this with, with Cody Hall a lot, was, you know, modeling is based on previous data. The data moves at a faster pace now than it yes. ever has before. So all those things and all the modeling that they were talking about, mm -hmm. you know, when, when Stacey Abrams came in and the way she would, was doing her ground game and the money they committed to paying for that ground game for the first time right. was what threw this whole thing off. So I have to imagine COVID threw a lot of this off, but the pace of change mm -hmm. makes it even harder to know who you are marketing towards because yes. those old data sources are old and then the, yes. the party changes quickly and people are moving here at such a fast clip yeah. that you know, you know you talk about it but the process of alpharetta how much has alpharetta as a county changed yeah. and the city right. changed in the past 10 years and in cobb county so i have well, to imagine the stakeholders i mean that's kind of yeah. what i'm hearing with the mm -hmm. gop it's mm -hmm. you know it's not that uh, you didn't understand the gop but the the power yeah. and their and motivations the there yeah you know what it's interesting because i grew up in the gop right? right i was interning all the way through becoming the deputy state director of the, the georgia republican party and in doing that, I had one look. I, I kind of I, I saw the GOP as the nucleus of the Republican Party in Georgia, right? Sure. But now I have a bit of a different take on it because when I look at when we go to these meetings and you have about fifty people there, and you think about mm -hmm. it, there's a there's ten million people a, right. a, a pool of voters. Right. That that it makes that little room look really really small, right? And so just because you want, like for instance, I mean, Kelvin beat Herschel in a poll amongst the GOP. Wow. Right. So that that ought to tell you something. And and <laughs> isn't isn't it interesting the motivations, right? Because the yeah. GOP as an as as their whatever they are is probably very different than the representation of the voters in which that they do represent. Very much and so the different. motivations of who should win and why. And I, I have to bet that a lot of those people that are representing the GOP have been there for a very long time. They have. And and the right. bureaucracy has settled in and their decision making process, mm -hmm. I'm not saying it is altered or not clear anyway, mm -hmm. but it is different than someone who's trying to to get action quickly, that process yeah. is different, I'd have to imagine. Well, I would say, they, at, at, at one point, yes, they have been there for a very long time, but then we had President mm -hmm. Trump's era come in, and now we have a lot right. of new, we have the Trumplicans, is what I call them, who are the new <laughs> conservatives that kind of came in who were just a Democrat yesterday in You're some right. cases. Wow. Some were, a lot of them had never voted before, and I, I praise Kellyanne Conway for this because she found a group of voters right. that, you know, were under, you know, represented. Um, it, was, it was typically in the low-income white communities yeah. where they just felt like well I'm, I don't vote I don't participate yeah. I'm, I'm not seen they needed a and champion she gave them they needed a champion they yeah. needed yeah. someone yeah. to represent them which and was a great marketing plan that it yeah. Man, if you could find those, if you could find those <laughs> spots, those pockets of people that are underrepresented yeah. and are looking for that that champion and that leader, yep. uh, man, those are loyal well, folks for a long time. Yeah, yes. and I think you know you hit on a couple of things. And the difficulty I think with marketing politics versus marketing your business is politics is a zero sum game. Yeah. So you can do the right things. You can know that the big you know competitor, Herschel or whomever, mm -hmm. is going to come in and take some. The problem is, if you're a business, if you, you find that right niche, you can still probably coexist. Yeah. With the primary, guess what? It's it's one or none. It's one or none. And that, to your point, it's like I was saying, that poll that showed that, that, showed that Kelvin beat Herschel within the, the GOP, right? Those are the people that are the most highly engaged. But then I remember we went to another county, and we were at a fair. And right. there was they, they, the GOP had a table at that county. The county GOP had a table. And people that were walking up were not people who attend GOP meetings. And they yeah. were grabbing a Herschel sign and they didn't know who Kelvin was, right? Because right. we, you know, obviously, you know, you got to, it takes a lot reach. 
anyway, when Kelvin would talk to them, they were like, oh, yeah, I really like you. And then we'll ask, well, you know, why are you supporting Herschel? And they were like, oh, because I know him. And, yeah. and, 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 I, and we weren't offended. We were not offended. Sure. Because we understand that that does play a factor. That's part of it's marketing, reality, right? It's right? the reality of it. And you can't overcome that in some way. And that's, always been, that's always been part of marketing. That's always been Absolutely. part of politics, yeah. right? Yep. And you're talking, you, you're talking, let's go Reagan. I mean, you're talking, right. you're voting for people that you know. You, you can talk about any of these guys, really. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm curious, mm-hmm. you know, when, when you saw that kind of manifest itself, mm-hmm. right? One of the things we always do is we get comfortable in our own circle mm-hmm. and we only think about things through the guise of your circle how did you right. separate yourself from that and look from that outside in and say oh my goodness we've we have to go get these people how do the how do these people know you know what it's interesting so we 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 didn't we we, we stayed the course mm. one of the things that kelvin said you don't deviate from the plan so even when you realize that something else it's not if it's catastrophic right? right but there was no way we were going to be able to reroute the plan in order to overcome this no. what we saw right so, but but he's about running through the finish line, right? You you stay, yeah. you run through the finish line, and now we are seeing residual because there's so many That's people awesome. that are messaging him. Now, obviously, we didn't right. know the outcome was going to. Well, I can't say we didn't know the outcome. I, that wouldn't be true. We did know. I mean, we we were telling people we we didn't think Herschel would be able to beat Raphael Warnock, but now that that happened, we are we're we're getting so much information. Right. People are contacting Kelvin, like, well, who is this? And people started even in the general, people started researching all the other candidates. Right. And, when and, they saw it coming, wow. you know. And and while you wanted to win in year one, mm-hmm. the reality is this may be a five or nine year race. Exactly. Well and now yeah. all those people become organic supporters. And there's a right. difference between paying for and campaigning towards people yes. and having them become organic supporters. And one of the things I think mm-hmm. so important to what you said, especially about marketing Stay the course. If Stay you quick, course. if you keep altering and you keep changing, then the problem is, is that if you market for six months, say, and then all of a sudden you stop, mm-hmm. you might see those effects three months down the road, yeah. just oh, yeah. like you're seeing now. So by staying the course and being consistent, you're seeing residual effects that had you changed, you might not even have been seeing, which is right. very similar to marketing and what we preach on this show. Well, discipline yeah. and patience, right? Yeah. That's key. I mean, it's key. If you want to produce yeah. any type of outcome, you better have some discipline and patience, and you cannot set your end goal date. Which is so hard nowadays. <laughs> right. It's so hard nowadays. One of the things Cody was talking about was it has become the biggest circus act of the primaries is who gets the most attention, who goes, right. which has which has actually hindered parties moving forward because they spent all their resources and time on this dog and pony show for the yes. primaries that when you actually have to go for the election people are so divided and so yeah. broken up that it becomes harder to win the actual election yes. so what did you see what mm-hmm. was you know obviously the different parties and everyone had their own style but what mm-hmm. did you see were people themselves or they were they playing a character they thought they had to be how did that look oh yes <laughs> i you know okay so i am i'm known for i just keep it real i don't know how not to i wouldn't because, have asked you the question if i next because I, <laughs> I don't have I don't, I don't know I don't I don't really have good you know short-term memory so if I'm lying about something I'm not gonna remember it so I gotta I gotta keep it real I do believe that there are people who are playing this game I I, I hate right. to see it but I do see it I hear people saying things that I don't think they actually believe in I've had people come up to us and say you know what we actually voted for you but we, I can't tell anybody right. I mean, there was just so many things yeah. that I'm hearing, and it, 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 it's really hard to listen to because you know that they are um, that they, they want to eventually be comfortable, and eventually you will. That's right. the part I'm trying to tell. The more you, you, you walk around as an imposter, eventually your real self will come out, and well, it's not going to be pretty. Well, as I, <laughs> as I teased earlier, I said, obviously, I've had more elections than I voted for. You know, as I get in this stage of my life, I mean, just... Mm-hmm. 
there is a freedom in being much more transparent and open. Yes. And I, and I see that in Isn't all it? my life, whether yeah. it's business, whether it's my personal, whether it's my family, coaching, et cetera. And yes. I think it applies to politics. But, yeah. but let's face it. We're all biased. We all have influences. We all worry about what other people think. Mm-hmm. You know, when you get to be 56 like I am, it's, you know, you it is freer to, to speak your mind. But yeah. when you're on the public stage – some people don't have that courage to do that, and I think that's yeah. something that when we come back from the break, we'll we'll, we'll dive into that mm-hmm. about you know how can uh, politicians market better and how can they be maybe true to themselves, and I think uh, I think it's an interesting topic. So you're listening to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3, and we'll be right back. Now back to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3 FM. Welcome back to the Marketing Mad Men. Trip Job and Nick Constantino here with Janelle King, and we are talking about marketing and politics. And right before the break, you know, we were talking a little bit about you know, what can politicians do better as far as marketing. We talked a little bit about Kelvin's. How much time do uh, we have? Lunch. Well, we do have uh, 23 minutes, so we're, uh, we're okay. You know, it's, it's better than the 30 seconds that we get from most uh, politicians. And I know, I know we're going to get into that. How do you how do you distill real thought leadership Mm -hmm. when everyone is looking at 30 second ads? But uh, let's let's say that maybe the middle of the segment. Yeah, Uh, let's let's maybe the first thing. What uh, you know, what what do you think politicians today Mm -hmm. and you've seen it over the last 20 years or so? How has it changed and what do you think we need Mm -hmm. to do better? So, I mean, I I think that messaging is the number one thing on both sides of the aisle right that's really what we're battling we're not we're not battling policy anymore that's that's really how it's changed is that we're not talking about policy we're not talking about you know how we can actually you know solutions we're talking about personalities and we're talking about you know just competing in messaging so simple messaging simple messaging. i look at it like yes. a basketball game like the crowd wants to remember the cheers yeah like yeah. let's go team is the cheer that's they right. do because everyone can get involved yeah. in it so it yeah. is almost like keeping it simple and repeatable mm. it's become that which goes against the thought leadership we're talking about yeah, well, right? I think when i go to the atlanta united words. game i'm lost not the game the cheers i'm lost because i'm not a supporter and uh to your yeah. point yeah. i i realize this on my social media right so i normally post about a, a minute of, of a clip sometimes but i did 17 seconds the other day just to see what would happen and it's gotten the most you know views than anything else and it's only 17 seconds and i'm like how do you learn anything anyway but to, to your point, what I you know what I think I think the Republicans and Democrats have two different things they need to overcome. On the Republican side, when it comes to messaging, we need to stop talking over people's heads. And what I mean mm-hmm. by that is I'm, I don't mean that like we're saying something that's so ultimately intellectual. What I mean is that most people have their heads down right now. Right. They're trying to figure out how they can make stuff. ends meet. I read a, I read an article that Fox put out that talked about people having to decide whether or not they're going to get dog food or they have to get rid of their animals because of inflation. They're not talking about the climate. God God bless it, but they're not talking about January 6th. They're not talking about any of the stuff that we're talking about. We've got to stop doing that, right, and just start talking to that 45% of independents. And then on the left, their issue is I need to, they, they, I need them to allow us to compete. Mm-hmm. You know, let's let's actually compete. Yeah. Don't don't you know, I, I have this joke. I don't I don't know if our Gen Zers are going to know who I'm talking about, but I'm like, don't Tanya Harding me. Do not, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. do not cut me off at the knees. 
Do not block my my stuff. Don't shadow ban me. Just compete. Let's do it. Let's go at when, it. And that's when ultimately everybody wins. And like yes. you look at free market anywhere. Yeah. I, me, yes. my, me and my wife, she does international development, and we talk all the time. Mm-hmm. And she goes, "How do you fix China?" I go, China's fixing itself. And the reason yep. why is because there's a middle class. And whenever yep. you have an emerging middle class, capitalism is what frees it. How do women get rights? They go to the workforce, and then you become Korea has a higher workforce, a female <laughs> population. I mean, at its core, yep. the free markets exist, and capitalism exists for a reason. Now, yep. Yep. both parties take advantage to their own extent. Right, Absolutely. they're both going to take advantage of. It. Mm-hmm. But at its core, that mm-hmm. free market, if utilized the right way and yep. not manipulated, yep. will always bring positive change yes. to people. Now, will it Adam bring more? Will, uh, well, don't even start with that because <laughs> let me talk about that. Adam Smith because he was actually in everything he said. He was about the moral compass of man. He was actually a yeah. psychologist and he talked as much about top-down economics as he yeah. did saving the, the guy in the bottom. So that is a huge debatable topic. And shoot, we're going to do a whole episode on that because both, both parties, both parties. Well, maybe both parties use Adam Smith to their advantage for the wrong reasons. Well, and that's there's what a whole, politics does. There's a whole too, right? Chicago politics School of Economics. The, the University of Chicago School of Economics screwed Adam uh, Smith up for the country the way they spoke about him and what he uh, did. We'll save that for yeah. another time. You threw me off guard. <laughs> and, but but those free market economies, I agree yes. with. Now, that being said, so let's talk about messaging because mm-hmm. the messaging is important. Mm-hmm. So they're marketers, right? Yeah. You're marketing your party, yourself. You're marketing to a federal base, a state base, many different levels here. Yeah. So let's start with federal, mm-hmm. okay? What do politicians themselves have to do to market themselves better to their own parties? And let's keep it broad, yeah. but you mm-hmm. have the experience to speak to their own parties. Tell the truth. I, I get, I mean, just tell the truth, right? Don't And don't sugarcoat it. Don't try to wrap it up in a political message. Don't try to tell people that, that you know, that this is what you, you think we should mean. Just tell the truth. Give me the truth, right? right? If I don't like this person for whatever reason, see, I don't like this person. That's yeah. what I believe our younger generation is craving, right? Is that they don't want to be parented. And that's what we're seeing happen. I don't want to be parented. I'm, I'm a zennial, you know, I'm a little bit in the mix, you know, right. a little bit of a Gen Xer, a little bit of a millennial. But I cannot stand feeling like I'm being parented. And when you have these, these big politicians saying, okay, I know what's best, best for, for you. you. That's that's where the messaging goes wrong. Just tell right. the truth, right? Just say it. I don't like this. I mean, I I agree with with Trump here. I hate when he does this. I think he's crazy when he does this. And then people will at least respect authenticity. Authenticity. Yeah. Are they prepared and, and I think for it, authenticity. One of the tough things with politics is look. I have changed my opinions on a lot of things in life, especially yeah. the more debate you have. Right. But in politics. We go back to, oh, but he voted this way or she voted this way six yeah. years ago. Now yep. he's a flip-flopper. No, I'd rather have someone who's mm-hmm. authentic and mm-hmm. say, you know what? I got more information or things changed, right. and, and now here's why I feel this way. Yeah. But you almost never see that in politics. Absolutely. I think the key is explaining how the tra- transformation happened, right. what was that transformation process, because if not, you'll get like a Joe Biden who will you know, say something yep. that's completely ridiculous or, or completely <laughs> outlandish, and then you're like, wait a minute, just yesterday you said this, this. and he's like, okay, I changed my mind. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. I think that's all right. I mean, that's, you know, within the course of... Changing your mind and learning Within the course different. of a campaign, <laughs> right. yeah, look, you're not going to... If you're yeah. changing, you're changing right. for messaging and politics only... But as yeah. someone who's been in, you know, Congress or been in this Georgia, um, yeah. you know, House and things like that, 
over time, I think you can. Hopefully, Absolutely. we're learned enough evolve. and open enough yeah. to evolve I, I'm, on I'm, certain things. I'm going to go everything. down a rabbit hole and counterpoint this one. Yeah. I'm going to play devil's advocate <laughs> yeah. here. So I consider myself at its core to be a libertarian. Okay, yep. I want government out of my business. Mm-hmm. I know myself. I can make the best decisions for myself, my right. family, with anything that I want to do. Whether it be if I want to go take drugs and disappear for a weekend in the woods, then I can go do that because I'll come back to work on Monday. Whatever the case may be. Right. But you do that. <laughs> Whatever the case may be. But the point, the point is, is that I unfortunately believe two things. One, that the majority of the population cannot be libertarians, that they do want to be told what to do. And I also believe that politicians prey on that for multiple reasons. If they have 80% of the electorate distracted with all these things, then they can do whatever they want to. And if we, until we get rid of term limits and have third parties, then then it is about that sleight of hand to distract people bombastically to distract from what's really going on. So if I was to continue down this, and I'm going to stop it because it could keep going, I also believe (laughs) that the parties are much more in cahoots than people think, and that level of distraction exists for a reason to keep their duopoly on what is going on, which, again, if they were more honest and they were more... I also lastly believe that most people who are who you were targeting that can speak for themselves lean pretty towards the middle they believe yes. in fiscal right. conservative and social liberalism and i believe that's where most people lie if that was really a case that itself would be your third party and that would screw the other two so they'll never yeah. let it happen and, and yeah. i also think you, you've, you've been in the well you've been in the gop and i truly believe because i've seen it mm-hmm. you know going back to the 70s um and i think there are parts of the party where there are three or four whatever you know in congress that are all the way at the the right end or the yeah. left end, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the GOP and the Democratic Party want that. Mm-hmm. They don't want everyone over there, but they want someone out there to set whatever that limit is, mm. set that edge. That's a good perspective. I um I, I happen to think, and it's kind of ties in two things. So I loved your rabbit going down that yeah. rabbit hole because I I'm with you 100. percent Term limits has to happen. Um and and I'm all for bringing back a third party because it just creates natural competition, and I, we need that competition. Um, which is why I think that Joe Manchin is a dark horse, and I'm I'm gonna keep saying that yeah. if he jumps in this presidential race, he's a dark horse, and he's gonna it's gonna be a problem because like I said, 45 percent of Americans identify as independent. They're gonna naturally look at what he's saying and then if he starts to sound like he's he's sounding normal then he may actually pull this off i mean i'm telling you it's going to be a problem my concern my only concern would be and this is just me being ignorant and a new yorker who thinks less of other people (laughs) uh having somebody from west virginia run this country is terrifying to me uh and i'm just going to call it what it is and mostly and i I say we we had someone from arkansas you do realize that's that's not not why i'm saying it so i like where you're headed that's not what i'm saying i'm saying that he's so tied to the coal industries and what the industry is in west virginia that i think he speaks more on behalf of a part of the country that has been diminished already that that, that's why i say it it's nothing to do with the people from west virgina no way no one's gonna know that Really? No, oh, majority of a, I know my a, generation. I didn't even look. I oh. didn't even when you said West Virginia, I was like, wait, what? I forgot. I mean, it wasn't even. It's not even a thing. I can't even tell you where other presidents are from. That's like, such. It's a, just, that's such. Yeah. A, I'm not even. I, I am not even a political person. I, I don't. Even, I don't. Honestly, I don't, I don't know. know if you did a poll of where most of the coal is mined in the country, oh. I would bet you'd have 20 percent or less of people answer it that know where coal is mined. Right. Okay, well, how about we did this? How about we I found out 5%. where all his where all his campaign money comes from? If you saw where all his campaign money yeah. come from, would that make it easier to know? Yeah. Well, how do you oh, find yeah. that out? Oh, you can't. Do you see what I'm saying? So that, that's the thing. It's like, it's really it's really interesting. So I but but to your point about uh, people wanting to be told what to do, right? I'm I I I thought that up until recently. Mm-hmm. Now, I think people just want to be comfortable. So it's more so like I don't want you to tell me what to do, which is why I have a libertarian streak for sure, mm-hmm. because I am 100 percent get out of my business and I don't want to be in yours. But 
at the same time, if I if everyone is if personal responsibility does limit comfort because now you're responsible for making your own comfort. And right. that's a lot of work. But it is. But isn't it more comfortable to know that that rests in your hands and somebody else's? Isn't Only it more if you have it. To know that, well. you know, ultimately, <laughs> I'll tell you this. I have many times, like, I'm video. Sh- I'm shooting this video right now because I didn't want to rely on someone else to do it. I learned how to edit video. Right. I'm building well. a deck in my backyard because I didn't want to pay someone 20 grand to build a deck. It's because you're a libertarian. But isn't there comfort in that, knowing <laughs> but, that? Well, yeah, but for 30 years, yeah. um, you know, I've heard the debate about Social Security and Social Security going to run out. So I made the decision very early in my business career that I was going to fund my own retirement. Yeah. All right. Whether, yes. whether I knew it was a polit- political mess. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so guess what? I just assumed there'd be nothing left for me by the time I got to that age. And so, yes, I took yeah. control myself. And if I get it, great. It's a nice, small little windfall. Yeah. But, but can we? That's independent. That's independence. That's being. Right. That's taking right. it into your own hands. And right. I think again, I, I would prefer mm-hmm. if the politicians spoke to those people. I just don't believe it's ever going to happen. You it, know like what? That. It's going to happen with us. So we. So Kelvin and I started Let's Win for America Action because we were tired of listening to bad messaging to non-traditional conservative um, voters. Yeah. We were so over it. It's not just minority voters, but yeah. it's just people who like young people, right? I mean, I I wouldn't want to join this party either if I was if I was listening to some of the stuff that they were talking about, right? Either party. Yeah. I mean, either, either, I, you wouldn't want to join either party oh, yeah. if you listen to it. It has nothing I mean, to do with you. No one cares. No right. one cares about any of that stuff, right? I just want to vote for the the best person. And, you know, people yeah. ask me what you, I said, I'll vote for the best person. I've probably for the last 12 years not voted straight line party. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I and I probably won't it's ever fine. again. That's, a, that's not a bad right. thing, man. That's not, a bad, that's that's not okay. a bad thing. No, I mean, it's We're okay. We're not going to shun right. you, and I'm yeah. not going to call right. you out. Because <laughs> guess what? Both parties have bad candidates, and both parties have yes. some good great, candidates. So great segue here. Okay, right. so how do the parties reach across the aisle? Okay, so we talked about how, as a Republican, you you market to a Republican, a Democrat, you're a Republican. How do they go across the aisle? How do Republicans mm-hmm. bring that conservative message of more f- you know, fiscal conservative? Mm-hmm. How do you yeah. get that across? How do we get the yeah. other people to go? inside because ultimately that middle is those people who are the most likely to flip to the other side right you're not going to get a green new deal person to go over to the conservative party and you're not going to get a trumper to go over to that side that's not gonna happen that middle of the bell curve is where this is going to happen right so what do we do how do you market better to the other party i say number one we got to stop marketing to the bookends of everything and then so that's number one and then number two i say we need to trash political data and bring in consumer data like pay attention to what the consumers are consuming because right. that's what you're putting in. Whenever I post something on social media, you're not posting it to the political points, the political voters. You're po- posting it to consumers. Give me an example of consumer data. Like what are you okay. talking about? You're talking about like infl- so, uh, CPI, consumer price index numbers. What kind of data are we talking about? So for instance, right, we're like let's talk about Gen Zers, right? Gen Zers care a lot about, and we actually talked about this in a, on another radio show that you know they care a lot about the, what what's happening in the world and and feeling like they have a purpose and feeling impactful in the world right so that's that's consumer data politics will not politicians won't know that they're not going to know that Right. They, they're going to look at, well, what they're what they're clicking on is, you know, mental health issues. So we need to talk about mental health. But it's a great point. But the reason, if, you, right. if you look at like shoe companies, modern shoe companies, yeah. they're all putting sustainability and all those things. Yes. That's consumer data. Yes. If you paid attention to those little yes. trends, you could probably craft a good political message. Right. And you're also ceding some power to the corporate machine by not talking right. about that. Right. Yeah. So we're going to talk about like, for instance, so so if we tell and I and we're going to be putting out short videos and things. But one of the things we're going to talk about is um, equality versus equity, but how it's sustainable. 
you yeah, know, how, right. which is the, the sustainable, sustainable option. Because if you're if you're all about really sustaining America, then why don't you hear what's the right. sustainable option when it comes to working with people in minority groups? And how do we close the wealth gap and all that right. stuff? We got to teach it and we got to speak the language of the consumer and not and, the politician. And we Both have to parties. do it for a, for a long enough time. It's not going to happen in 30 yeah. second blips. I mean, you start no. that way, but it's got to do it over and over and over again. Well, we have yeah. we have to. Yeah. I mean, right now, you know, I think we're at, they said on average we're at a three minute tension span. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, on a good so day. we kind of have to do it kind of quickly. But I must say that I do think that Democrats have jumped on the consumer p- part yeah. of this much faster and sooner than us. I, and I will say struggling. from what I understand, one of the problems is that Republicans, conservatives lean on economic data. Like economists, which is, again, yes. you're talking about speaking over someone's head. Right. I mean, raise your hand right. if, if you passed economics, because I don't know a single person. The, the, I was, that's my major. 66 was, I was the average. Say, I have I a like, feeling that you passed this. I was, I was an economics <laughs> major. So, 66 yeah, so. was the average score, and I got an A all the time. I mean, but I'm, what I'm saying I got is a C. if you look at what, talk about speaking over someone's head, economics is yeah. one of those things that is over everyone's head. And yeah. it's not looking at CPI and the economics right. data. It's looking at trends and consumer trends yes. and trying to get ahead of a consumer trend. Right, you know, you're forecasting. I jo- you're forecasting. <laughs> I joked. Another thing I joked with Cody was when I knew politics had changed is when I saw Obama's ad in a video game. Yeah. Just think about it. You oh. want to talk about consumer trends? Well, 60 million people are playing video games. You just right. got a free billboard in there. Yeah. There's got to be something there. That is consumer trends. And I would agree is. with you that the Democratic Party had done a better job of applying those trends and capitalizing those trends. So yeah. how do you decide you think what's going to be the most important? So mm-hmm. consumer trends, we can talk about, yeah. you know, what's the economy doing for me? That's mm-hmm. one. All right. We talked a little bit about equality versus equity. I love that kind of dynamic. Um, I think a lot of about the last year and it, and it did come into some of the election is let's just call it um, community safety, mm-hmm. whether you want to get into the police aspect of it or in the governing aspect. But the general oh, don't part even start, of don't even start yeah. me on this one. Um, <laughs> don't even start me on this one. And then you have the abortion. Do you know how safe we are? Do you know how safe we are right yeah. now in this country? Do yeah. you know how safe we are? I was brought up in Queens in the eighties. Do right. you know what the murder rate in Queens was in the eighties? Do you know the gang violence? The yeah. kid, the things I saw in my life. We are so safe as a whole right now. How have we been led to believe that we are unsafer now than we were than growing up? I would ride my bike in Queens to get pizza at six years old by myself uh-huh. to buy pizza when the things. A disaster. Now every kid is so sheltered. How are we? Because, let's believe we're more because of YouTube, because of the media, because of you know all these. Well, things. I mean, our so. crime is no longer isolated. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the biggest issue, yeah. right? I mean, crime used to be isolated to and relegated to to communities where there was low income. And it kind of stayed there and it lived in that space. But now when you have crime creeping into Buckhead, now we're unsafe. Like this is this is a problem. Right. And right. I'm and I, I agree. I think it is a problem. I think it's show. Here's the thing. Back to being my libertarian streak. If you want to kill yourselves in your own community, that is your choice. Right. That is a decision that you have made. And if you don't want to be in that community, you can leave and go to another community. That's the way it used that, to be. That's the ability. But it's not to like that. that now. Right. And I go. So I also I grew up in North Carolina in the 70s. I got bust in third and fourth grade. So this was desegregation. So. Mm-hmm. As a kid, I'm yeah. seven, eight, nine years old. It didn't mean anything to me except I had a 40-minute bus ride across mm. town. Wow. But, but you know, and so minutes. I learned a lot. I got a lot of, God which I think is great, driver. you know, learnings. But to your point, there were a lot of people who, well, we'll live in this part of town, and we were safe 
from what happened over there. Now, we were safe because it was during the day, 8 in the morning till 2 in the afternoon Mm -hmm. type of thing. But, you know, Mm -hmm. I think now, yes. It's a topic now because of that. It's crazy. You just said what you said about being bust in the 70s. I grew up in Queens. My only thing I know is you keep your head on a swivel and you walk around without (laughs) making eye contact with anybody but knowing what's going on around you. And when we go in places that people, I actually feel safer in places that most people feel unsafe because that is what I was used to. You know, there are times where I go up and I'm in Milton and I see the the antlers on cars and shotguns everywhere. I'm more nervous than I am in the middle of the hood <laughs> just because of what, but it's because of what you know. So seeing someone who right. is bossed in, at the end of seg- at back end of segregation towards yep. it, to see someone who's grown in Queens, which the neighborhood I grew in had 230 languages spoken at yes. one time. It was the most diverse place on earth. Shows the dynamic of yep. why we're missing messaging. Well, it right. also shows the growth of the country that we're ignoring, yeah. right? Because we're, for, sure. we're, for some reason, you know, we have people who want to act like we're still living in the 40s and the 50s. And yeah. I'm just like we are not like we are in 2023 things are different now you can share how you feel you know you're not gonna get rounded yeah. up i mean yeah. it's just like and, let's the, stop and, the, doing and the people this. that are here have babies which right. so even if you close all the borders <laughs> those people still multiply <laughs> right. like this is simple science stuff we learn like those people right. multiply so you can't stop changing the population it will change yeah. itself yeah. right and, and to your point and, and i didn't grow up in it but i've had i also was living in long beach california during the rodney king riots there you so, go. So, you know, again, another. LBC, baby. Uh, well, and that's, <laughs> you know, LBC. when you started talking about that, I mean, I remember that time is, you know, for the next probably two months, you pulled up to a stoplight. You know how we all kind of look left, look right. No, everyone looks straight ahead. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, that was just, you know, coming through yeah. that type of. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at that point, that was a very traumatic national yeah. type issue. And I was right there in the middle of it. In fact, we had a liquor store burned down a block and a half away from our condo building. You wow. Know, and stuff just all around. Wow. Being from New York, I'm interested to know your perspective on this. Would you say that there is a um, that what we're dealing with now is that there's just a short fuse? Everyone has a shorter fuse, right? It's more senseless crimes on the rise yeah. now than there were. I, I would. I My personal thought is we expect too much of our police and that until we get mental health and some of these issues under yeah. wraps. We're asking our police officers to do too much, which sent them in too many directions and they should be reserved for the real crimes. And if right. they had the yeah. time to serve the real crimes, then we would be in a better state. So yeah. I think that yeah. that's a New York thing. You know, I, I was there just like that. I was yep. there when Times Square used to be all peep shows and Giuliani yeah. came in <laughs> and turned this into the, the utopia, if you will, that it is now. And it was all about police. Mm. It was stop and frisk. It was police. Yep. And it's that that's what did it. So mm-hmm. I was there for that. And I know the, the mm-hmm. p- benefit that comes out of it. So don't get me wrong here. Yeah. I am just saying that if, if we did not spend so much time mm-hmm. on little issues mm-hmm. and little things and expect our police force to be showing up at all these events that maybe there'd be time to detract from the yeah. real crimes and criminals yeah. and that is I think the problem I think yeah. it used to be if you you know you joke about this it sounds horrible but like if you you know kids with mental illness were treated differently you know it was the kids you aimed at in dodgeball I hate to say it but like it's just, it was treated so differently and like you did not yeah. require the t- time and effort towards everybody's problems that it is now and it's about personal yeah. responsibility because well, we've absolved health. ourselves we well, know the face of mental health has changed right I mean mental health is no longer like back in the day it used to be you know mental health was like schizophrenia and it was like these really big things and that and depression was you were sad and you right. were in your yeah. bed but now depression looks like I'm gonna go and hit 
hit you in the back of the head with a baseball bat because I think that you have more than what yeah. I had. I and we've, what and, I and we've yeah. given a voice to that also. Absolutely. We've, we've given a voice to it, to it manifest itself to become that, yep. and then they're not shunned anymore. And again, I always believe that when you have something underground, it festers and grows yes. and grows till it explodes. And that was part oh, of Ronnie I, King you talk about. Oh, that was absolutely. a festering I think, I think underground. All of us, anim- I think that's the ability to communicate in general that within our own self, if we don't get it out, if we don't communicate, we don't have good dialogue, mm-hmm. right? And I think that goes back to a lot of what we're talking about. It's not talking down to someone or talking above them, you know, parenting them. It's not screaming at someone else. It's mm-hmm. letting good, honest dialogue get out yeah. and let's have it back and forth. And maybe through that, we can actually work across the aisle and do something. So right. uh, when we get to uh, the final section here in a minute, uh, I know we're going to talk a little bit about your show, but yeah. maybe we can hit on that and uh, you know how we can do more uh, across mm-hmm. the aisle and together yes. with politics. So you are listening to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3. We'll be right back. Now back to the Marketing Mad Men on Extra 106.3 FM. Welcome back to the Marketing Mad Men. Trip Job and Nick Constantino and Janelle King here with you. And, uh, you know, we were just talking about in the break. Boy, that was an intense discussion. But, you know, you think about it. You look at the three of us. Okay. <laughs> I am a white man in my mid-50s. Nick is, um, uh, how would you describe yourself? I mean, so, you, you, yeah. you're multiracial, course, I guess. Yes, multiracial course, sure. in the 40s. This is sure. a tricky and, and, you're going Racially ambiguous. And Janelle is an African-American female that mm-hmm. is in her late 30s. Yes. yes. So, mm-hmm. I mean, so already right there, we there's a lot the of just different, you know, demographic, different places. demographic differences. And yet yeah. we just had, I think it was a, a fantastic conversation with so different perspectives. I learned something about both Janelle and Nick. I had no idea. And uh, how do we do more of that, Janelle? I know your show is going to get into yeah. some of this, but uh, what are your perspectives? Yeah, I think it's just it's, it's being able to have these conversations without being emotional about it. I think a lot of people are just emotional about where they stand because we're all playing defense most yeah. of the time. But, you know, the moment you relax that, you know, I have to tell myself whenever I go into spaces where I know that I'm not necessarily the majority that or my perspective is not the majority that I tell myself, Janelle, release the defenses, right? You don't have to battle people. Just yeah. say how you feel, and if they don't like it, oh well. Yeah. But, you know, just release the defenses and then have the conversation. So, yeah, I, I'm excited about yeah. the about It's, the it's not who screams loudest that wins. Right. That's no. one thing we have to get through our heads. Like, usually, to smart people, who screams loudest loses because you're screaming yeah. because you don't know how to get And one last thing, you know, I, I, we talked about mental health. Mm. So, Janelle just said emotional, okay? Yeah. <laughs> You should be emo- you should have emotion in everything you do. Mm-hmm. Okay, right. I think that's another one of those stigmatized words. It'd be emotional, and if, usually, unfortunately, and this is because of my very feminist wife. She's taught yeah. me uh, <laughs> it falls on women more. You're emotional. Well, what's wrong with showing emotion? Being passionate about someone, jumping out at something is is important. Mm-hmm. But your emotions can't man- manifest themselves against somebody else. Your emotions should be yeah. towards somebody in conjunction with somebody, not against somebody else, because those emotions mm-hmm. also become the yeah. bat to the back of the head and all these terrible right. things. So yeah. emotion yeah, is incredibly important in everything we do in life. That is how yeah. you, do, you find passions and you love things, but your emotion is contained. Oh, for sure. Just like well, most times you well, you're not. Views. It's a difference between, like, I mean, I'm a woman. I, I love that I'm emotional. I embrace it. As a conservative woman, I'm not a feminist at yes. all, but I embrace it. And I'm like, right. I mean, I'm, I don't understand why we don't. However, it's a difference between being emotional and being emotionally led. And that's where it becomes a problem. Because when you're allowing your emotions to inform your decisions, 
then you're playing a dirty game. So we did a perfect segue without <laughs> yes. even knowing it. And this sounds like a let's talk about a topic. So yeah. let, yes. let's talk about it. So that is a perfect one because that sounds like the type of topic that you would cover in the show. Yes. So for for the listeners, the show has been a podcast on the podcast park and with Extra 106.3. Right. Uh, Janelle has kicked so much booty that she has taken over <laughs> the radio show right after ours. So after this show, you're going to go right into let's talk about it. So right. before we do that, Let's talk about it. Tell us about yeah. the show. Tell us about how you had on and tell us the plans for now that you got this big time radio slot. Oh, man, I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited um, because, you know, so my podcast, the full episodes typically run pretty long. So mm-hmm. so the, the, the radio show is going to be a condensed version of all of my, my my podcast. But the topics that I'm going to be talking about, I call these like the rabbit trails. So I look at the podcast as a um, as, as my me establishing the core base of who I am. And that's kind of what I did last year. Going into this year, we're talking about topics that are, are, are on rabbit trails, right? So we're talking about, we're going to be talking about queer theory. We're going to be talking about um, um, just bi- business topics. But mm-hmm. this next show that you're going to be listening to is going to be talking about our rights, the Constitution okay. Bill of Rights from a millennial perspective. Because wow. I have questions. There's things I didn't know. I love listening to bloggers and, and, and people who talk about things from like TV shows yeah. and stuff like that. So the, the guest that I'm bringing on is someone who's a very, he's, he's a historian. Got it. And right. he knows a lot about the Constitution Bill of Rights. But I want to know, what were they arguing about? That's amazing. Like, who right. was behind this? Amazing. You know, and, what was their public, personality public, like? Were they drunk? Like, I have real questions. Right. And why too. does yeah. something 250 years ago apply today? Yes, yes. I and love, and, I love and the topic. why do we need to know it? I love yeah. the topic, mostly because like we only pick three or four of the rights to talk about, and there are thousands of them. I mean, there's yeah. a bill of rights I mean, and there's, there's a certain th- amount, but we talk about two or three that were like, well, freedom of speech, oh, but like freedom of press freedom of speech in the garbage. And, and right Second, to bear arms. I mean, those are the two that come on more than anybody. That's not even the big 10. I know. I mean, they're, they're, that's part of the big they're 10, but there's over 200 something plus amendments, right? I know. That's it. And I think just from this conversation and what I know about you, your goal is not to preach about this stuff. Your goal is to spark conversation from the guise of what you know and who you think needs to be spoken to to give people a different way to think about things is that right yes absolutely um i i've been talking about this because it was such an eye-opening moment for me but i talked to a young girl who was was um leaning democrat and she she said to me that she didn't know that we were a constitutional republic she had never even heard the term before she just knew we were a democracy and i was like we're not a democracy Democracy, that's that's the reason why we had the american revolution but we can get into all of that right so I'm, I'm going to break that down in a way where my generation can understand because a lot of times we talk about things and we use terms and like, what is ratification? I don't think most people know what yeah. that even means. Oh, How do you yeah. do it? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, so I'm like, so I'm going to talk about that. means we're like failing that. our kids in school. No offense. We're too distracted with we're teaching these kids stuff them. that they don't need to know yeah. that they're not well, learning. Those are things you learn in history and all the way through in social studies. Yeah. I mean, my well, goodness When you have gracious. government class, I remember in high school, you know, the kids had government, but half the time they were spending more, uh, more time on foreign government. Yeah. And and there's a point to understand the differences. Oh, yeah. But we didn't spend you, you enough time on the government. If you don't understand the, the, the British government, you'll never understand American government because right. what we were left and what we fought against. Right. So I see both sides of it, but I do think that we are just teaching the wrong things. If, if most people don't even know what, to, what ratification is, we are in big trouble because they're voting right. for the people that ratify those bills. And <laughs> as the country gets bigger, the individual rights of people to be involved in the democracy are shrinking, not growing, because they're hiring right. people in theory to be their representatives. 
who are right. ratifying said bills, and if they don't know what ratification right. is, we're screwed. No. And, and as we talked before, with no term limits. So. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I, I, did, I ran you know, a test with my husband. I was like, I said, can you name the, the founding fathers? Can y'all name the founding fathers? Some, Do y'all know? Some, I know, some. I know, I know. So that's, right. that's, I mean, there's there's just little things like that which is really interesting to me. And when I did a deep dive, I'm like, these guys were pretty cool. Yeah. Like, oh. I mean, they they were humans. I mean, we, we make them these deities almost, right? And, right. and in, in politics in general, on both sides of the aisle, we have deities of leaders. But... No, they were yeah. human beings. They had flaws and oh, yeah. was really battling to get yeah, things go to done. Yeah, go to Monticello oh. and see Thomas <laughs> Jefferson and you want to see what flaws are. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah, some of the stories, and again, some of those stories, uh, I think some of those things a are a little show bit. We Thomas, Thomas Jefferson. A little bit about mythi- mythological. Yeah, some have, like right. the, the, the amount of slaves and how many he uh, commingled <laughs> with. Uh, who, who really could, is keeping, I mean, I, again, would I love to see it? But I think one of the problems is it's also, it's it. a headline. Yeah, everyone's yeah. trying to grab a headline. So oh, the headline yeah. is Jefferson owned slaves, and what did he do with them? Duh. Not oh, the gosh. whole story with the context. And um, so, yeah. Well, wait until so, I start talking about the black slave owners. Well, yeah. God forbid. Oh. Well, I mean, the key God is. Well, oh, it's happening. Yeah. It will be were, happening. Just like, <laughs> just like in society, there were slave owners across everywhere the, it was the industry and, and not only not only just the u.s obviously oh, look the around slave, the world the, the yes. slave trade came here right we, we didn't start it here it came yeah. with the people that oh, came absolutely. to america yeah. so anyway yeah if you saw the then. people who started it we would have a different discussion I feel like that yeah. one, we'll save that for you and your show yeah, we, all right so <laughs> so with the last what do we got 30 seconds okay so give us a sign off and let get people ready for the show yeah well thank y'all so much for just allowing me to kind of give this i i'm so welcoming everyone to come and listen to let's talk about it with janelle King, the rabbit trails is what this will be called um, as we go and do deep dives into the major topics and uh, and do it on a fun in a fun way. So love join it. me. Nick, anything from you from today? That is it, my man. This was awesome. Yeah, this was fantastic, Janelle. Hopefully, maybe you'll have Nick and I on, and uh, we will. can. Yeah, we like to kind of cross pollinate back on uh, your show <laughs> and be able to uh, to keep the dialogue up. I think it's yeah. it's so important. That's that's just. You know, whether it's business, whether it's politics, that we do have that dialogue. We learn, we educate each other, and maybe we can, uh, you know, have um, our own opinion. So uh, for the Marketing Mad Men, you've been listening to us on Extra 106.3. And guess what? You are going to now be listening to Janelle King and uh, every Saturday it's uh, with Janelle King. So uh, thanks again, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Spring is here and baseball is back. You can't forget the derby. I love the hats. Do you have yours yet? My hat? I treated myself to a whole outfit. If you want to be able to treat yourself, then you should check out the Nest Savings Account at LGE Community Credit Union, where they want you to reach your savings goals faster. Take it from a pair of 680 The Fan wives. Head to lgeccu.org to find out what makes their team number one in Georgia. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.